Hi everyone, I'm Ben Norton and this is Multipolarista. I had the privilege of doing an interview with a very interesting U.S. congressional candidate. His name is Jeff Young and he's campaigning on a platform calling for abolishing the CIA, calling for peace and no more war, calling for abolishing AFRICOM, that's the U.S. military's African command, calling for ending the war on drugs, calling for increasing taxes on millionaires and billionaires, and calling for Medicare for all, socialized medicine in the United States. Jeff Young just won the Democratic primary in May in Kentucky. He is running in Kentucky's sixth congressional district, and he is competing against a conservative right-wing Republican named Andy Barr, who is the current incumbent congressman in Kentucky's sixth district. Jeff won the Democratic primary against an establishment centrist Democrat who had much more, many more resources and much more funding than Jeff. He ran a true grassroots campaign and he created an incredible ad, a campaign ad. And in this ad, he calls for abolishing the CIA. He refers to the CIA as a terrorist organization and he shows video of a billboard that Jeff Young's campaign took out in Kentucky and the ad says vote for Jeff Young he's for peace abolish the CIA so be before I begin the interview here with Jeff Young I just want to show a clip from the official campaign ad that Jeff Young used to win the Democratic primary in Kentucky this May 2022 my name is Jeff Young. I'm a Democrat running against Andy Barr because he is an ignorant warmonger and I'm for peace. I put up a billboard that says abolish the CIA. Why? Because it's the worst terrorist organization in the world today. Ever since the CIA was founded in 1947, it has gotten us into one illegal, immoral war after another. Their so-called intelligence is almost always wrong. The CIA also smuggles addictive drugs like heroin and cocaine into America and profits from the drug trade. The opiate addiction that has plagued Kentucky is not Kentucky's fault. It was inflicted upon us by the CIA. Andy Barr and his entire pro-war party are clear and present threats to America's national security. As a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, Barr has voted for sanctions against two countries that have nuclear weapons, Russia and China. Those illegal, counterproductive sanctions have forced Russia and China to become allies. Ever since 1991, NATO has been expanding and Russia has been retreating and retreating and retreating. And Russia cannot retreat anymore. The Russians' backs are against the wall. Russia made a peace proposal to us in December, but the ignorant neocons in Washington, and Barr is one of them, rejected it. A single miscalculation by the U.S. military or the White House could trigger a huge conventional war, followed by a nuclear war that could kill every person on Earth. Vote for peace, not war. 
Choose life, not death. Vote for Jeff Young in the Democratic primary on May 17th. So that is Jeff Young's campaign ad promising to abolish the CIA and support peace. Jeff, I just want to begin there. You have been running a very unique campaign. I think it's fair to say you're probably the only anti-war candidate running for Congress. And you're doing well, so at a time. Probably the only anti-war Democrat. There, there are some third party, Green Party, independence, anti-war people running elsewhere in the country. Absolutely. I was going to say that you're also running as an anti-war candidate at a time when we see unanimous support within the congressional wing of the Democratic Party for sending more and more weapons, including 40, billions of $40 billion of support to Ukraine. And this is funding a proxy war with Russia. You've been running a campaign calling for no more weapons. And in fact, you've also said on your campaign website that the difference between you and Andy Barr is that you will never vote to send weapons to Nazis. This is, this is uh, Jeff Young's campaign website. And right at the top, it says, unlike Andy Barr, I will never vote to send weapons to Nazis. So Jeff, can you explain why you decided to run for Congress? Well, several reasons. Um, but I guess the main one was uh, in 2013, um, in August, so Andy Barr had just been elected, just went to Washington in January for the first time, having won in 2012. And I went to a town hall meeting he held in Versailles, Kentucky. Um, that's the uh, Kentucky way of pronouncing Versailles. <laughs> and I, I attended that and uh, he was obviously pandering uh, the main topic was like building the wall and immigration. And he was trying to position himself as a moderate because uh, <laughs> he had some friends there, I guess, or supporters who were uh, just totally anti-immigrant in every possible way. So he, he, he uh, presented himself as a moderate, you know, and, um, I, I thought, you know, um, this guy is dangerous. He's total right winger. And I think I can beat him. So I ran uh, in 2014, 2016, 2018, and 2020. And this year, uh, and this is the first time I've won a major party primary. Yeah. And Jeff, I want to begin talking about your campaign. You have an incredible platform on your website, which is young4ky.com. And the four is the number young4ky.com. At the top of your website, you have this incredible quote saying, unlike Andy Barr, I will never vote to send weapons to Nazis. And yeah, I don't quote. see why that's incredible. I mean, I thought Americans were against Nazis in general. Yeah, I did too. You and know, <laughs> since, since um, World War II. Absolutely. And we've seen in <laughs> Ukraine that 
that the U.S. has been supporting them. So uh, that I, I love that framing. But further down on your website, you also have you have a twelve point program, and I think you know every reasonable person can get behind this this program. This is an amazing program. I'm just going to read out the the issue the the uh, twelve points here. One, abolish the CIA. Two, get big money out of politics. Three, abolish Africom. Four, help prevent nuclear war. Five, Medicare for all. Six, end corruption. Seven, Andy Barr is objectively pro-abortion, not pro-life. Eight, legalize cannabis. Nine, the environment and renewable energy. Ten, tax millionaires and billionaires. Eleven, abolish the death penalty. And then 12, end the failed war on drugs. So I would like to address a variety of these issues, but let's start with number one. At the top of your platform is the call to abolish the CIA. And this is what you've been running on. You you bought this billboard here that was in Kentucky calling for abolishing the CIA. Why, why do you think that the U.S. should abolish the CIA, Jeff? Well, since it was founded in 1947, right after World War II, the CIA has been the worst most well-funded, most powerful, most dangerous, most deadly terrorist organization in the world. Still is today. We've got 16 other intelligence agencies. And uh, let's get rid of the worst one and save some money. You also call for abolish abolishing AFRICOM. That's number three on your platform. Why do you think that AFRICOM should be abolished? Well, we should close down all of our bases, military bases all over the world, bring all our troops home. Uh, AFRICOM is just one of those commands, the one in Africa, and it's not doing anyone any good. It's a bunch of special forces running around, um, they say they're fighting terrorism, but it seems to me, and, and it seems to me, and it seems also to the folks at the Black Agenda Report that what they're really doing is propping up Washington's favorite dictators in Africa. Um, China has a major presence in Africa, but it's not military. They work on establishing trade relationships, helping countries develop their infrastructure and um, lift their people out of poverty. So with China, it's a win-win. With the U.S., it's special forces um, fighting. And they're not supervised. Nobody knows. Well, I mean, the public doesn't know what they're doing. Get them out. You also, in your platform, you you say that we should prevent nuclear war. Are you concerned that the current proxy war in Ukraine could potentially lead to a nuclear exchange? That is my main concern. <laughs> That's been my main concern for 40, 45 years. 
Um, yeah. Uh, so just talking about the, well, let's mention one thing, the Cuban Missile Crisis in, in 1962, um, where uh, Russia shipped uh, some nuclear missiles into Cuba. Um, my uncle in Air Force Intelligence was one of the people who examined the photographs and, and uh, reported to President Kennedy that uh, these, are, these are missiles there uh, <laughs> and they could hit the United States very easily and so on. And, um, and the U.S. Uh, created a blockade around Cuba to prevent any uh, Russia, Soviet ships from going in or out. Um, and so the world came very, very close to a nuclear war that would have killed every person on Earth in 1962. And since then, there have been many other incidents uh, where we've almost started or, or, or launched our nuclear missiles. The Soviets may have had similar situations where the radar picks up a flock of geese or something, and they, they uh, have to decide really fast whether that's missiles or harmless. And so that could happen at any time. Now, it's most likely to happen looking at today's situation when there is a tense, uh, perhaps a war going on, such as Ukraine, and that's where the chances of an accidental nuclear war are the highest. The Union of Concerned Scientists have a doomsday clock, you can look it up, uh, where they um, suggest or, or gauge how close we are to total nuclear annihilation of humanity. And their clock uh, has been, you know, five minutes to midnight. I think uh, when there were arms control treaties between the US and the Soviet Union, it was 17 minutes to midnight. Today, it's 100 seconds to midnight. It has been for the last couple of years. That's the closest it's ever been. So the threat of a nuclear war is higher now than at any other time in human history. And Jeff, another important part of your platform is calling to end what you call the failed war on drugs. Why do you think that it should be ended and why do you think that it failed? Um, well, the war on drugs, uh, I guess Nixon uh, started it and it has never been effective at fighting addiction. Uh, it has always been a bonanza for drug smuggling, you know, organized crime. The CIA has made a whole lot of, you know, billions of dollars on the uh, Afghan opium and heroin trade, for example. Uh, the war on drugs is just uh, uh, wrong-headed from the start. 
It should be treated as a public health issue, as an addiction treatment issue, and not as a criminal issue where people get thrown in prison uh, and only, you know, I guess various things happen in prison, but they often they just learn how to be better criminals. And there are drugs in prisons in this country. Anyway, it's failing. And uh, on my website, on that issue, uh, I think it's issue 12, uh, there's a wonderful video by John Oliver done in March of this year uh, called Harm Reduction. And he shows what other countries and certain states and cities in this country are doing to uh, reduce overdose deaths. Uh, the overdose problem in Kentucky has been horrible. For years, we've, we've been losing uh, uh, thousands of people a year uh, because, uh, because they get poisoned by the stuff they buy on the street. And the harm reduction approach, the public health approach would reduce all of that. Uh, so I say make all drugs legal, get organized crime out of it, and uh, give addicts a safe dose uh, and then help them uh, transition maybe toward marijuana, which is not highly addictive or addictive at all, uh, and, and continue drug treatment. And, and uh, if they want to, they could give up all drugs. If they don't, they could just stick with marijuana, treat it like alcohol. Jeff, you won the May primary, the Democratic primary, and almost immediately the current governor of Kentucky, who is a Democrat, Andy Bashir, he's also the son of another Democrat who had been governor of Kentucky. So he represents this kind of Democratic dynasty. He immediately denounced you and said that he would not support you, even though you are running from you're running as a Democrat against a sitting right wing Republican congressman. Mm -hmm. How, what has the response been from the Democratic Party? You know, you've been critical of Democratic Party leadership. Have have they been criticizing you? Have they supported you in any way in your campaign against this Republican? Well, the, the Democratic Party is not a monolith. Uh, and so the very top level, the state central executive committee of the KDP, uh, one day after Governor Andy Bashir made his comment saying, basically, no, I'm not going to support him. Um, they issued a statement saying, yes, uh, we're not either. <laughs> um, Mr. Young has sued the party several times, and we just don't think that's appropriate, and we're not going to support him in the general election campaign. But, you know, uh, the governor and the very, well, the top layer of the Democratic Party do not represent the entire KDP. There are, there are county parties and there are many 
rank and file Democrats who are not associated with the party structure. And I guess they're, they're the people who um, put me over the top in the primary, 52% of the vote. Uh, so you could say that the, the very top of the party at this time, they may change their minds, very top of the party doesn't like me, but uh, I think they should get with the program and, and say, uh, vote blue no matter who. They say that every other year. Yeah, it's a good point. The only time that an anti-war candidate is running as a Democrat, suddenly they, they forget the vote blue no matter who slogan. Do you think that the fact that you won this primary against an establishment Democratic candidate, do you think that that represents that among a lot of the base, the you know rank and file, the, the working class base of the Democratic Party, there is this yearning for more anti-war candidates? Yes, I do. I think people are sick and tired, uh, you know, not just Democrats, everybody in America is sick and tired of all these wars that never seem to end. And um, I wanna try to end them. I've been working all my adult life to uh, end whatever war we were engaged in at that time. Um, starting in the mid-70s with the tail end of the Vietnam War. Every military engagement since then has been unnecessary, unjust, uh, furthers the interests of American imperialism and domination, and I've just opposed them all. You, you mentioned, Jeff, that you have in the past taken legal action against the Kentucky Democratic Party. Can you explain why? Yeah, rigging their own primaries. And I have to say, I was a Republican in 2020. I ran, I tried to run it. I did run against Andy Barr in the Republican primary. They did it exactly the same way. So both major parties, when it's an important primary to the leadership, they will rig it. What I mean is during the primary season, uh, Kentucky law says that neither party is supposed to devote resources to uh, favor or support one primary candidate over the other or others. They're supposed to treat all primary candidates equally and allow their base, their voters, to make the decision. They're not supposed to get in there and meddle with the primary. But we know, you know, at the national level, for example, that happens all the time. The party structure, the leaders uh, get in there and say, well, uh, let's not give any airtime to, uh, to these five candidates and we'll We'll make it a race between the two that are alike and that support the establishment. All right, so they do that in Kentucky too, but there's fewer candidates. And um, yeah, so for example, um, starting in 2015, I believe, the state central committee, the building uh, in Frankfurt decided passed a resolution saying 
if Jeff Young enters the building, call the police or call the sheriff and have him arrested for trespassing. And that, that's why I sued them. They were, they were obviously rigging it and they're, they're creating a completely unbalanced playing field. Republicans did, didn't do that, but they did, they did similar things about um, sending all kinds of in-kind resources to Andy Barr and not his two Republican opponents, both of whom are now Democrats, I should say. Do you think that the fact that they took, they went to such, such a degree to try to ban you shows that they're really afraid of anti-war candidates running for office? I would agree with that. But I think in my case, uh, starting in 2014, the top leadership and, and Steve Bashir was the governor at that time, not his son, Andy. Um, they figured uh, that they that there's no way they were going to be able to control me if I won. And the other, I had one rival in 2014 and they knew that they could control her. So that's where all the resources, you know, and uh, endorsements went. In your platform, you call for ending the war on drugs and you also call for legalizing cannabis. Now, in the context of Kentucky, that can also be a very important industry. You know, I have heard people talk about the idea of creating a hemp industry, especially in depressed areas that had that had been coal towns and have since been, you know, economically abandoned. So do you think that legalizing cannabis not only nationally, but in Kentucky in particular, could be a significant economic boon? Yes, I do. Um, Kentucky is often, you know, way behind other states. So in this case, we're, we're behind Colorado. When they did it there, they found it was a major boost to the economy. It did not increase uh, drug use significantly did not lead to higher addiction rates. Uh, I think maybe they went down, I'm not sure. And, and so, yeah, Kentucky should follow Colorado's example and other states that, that have done that. Completely legalize it, treat it like alcohol. You know, if, you're, if you get in a wreck while, you know, while high, um, there should be appropriate penalties. Uh, and so on, but just just uh, legalize all drugs. It will help the economy a lot. It's a great state for growing it, so I hear. And Jeff, there's there's one part of your platform that I did see that there was a little confusion about when I saw someone respond to it, and that's you say Andy Barr, who is a conservative Republican, who actually is very anti-abortion, but I think, I, I understand what you're saying in this. You say he's objectively pro-abortion, not pro-life. Can you right. explain why you said that? You, I should say that you yourself are a very pro-choice candidate. I am super supportive of Planned Parenthood. I think it's the, the best abortion, preventing abortion, reducing organization that exists. And I'm super disgusted with the so-called right to life movement. 
so Andy Barr has uh, essentially signed on to something called the Human Life Amendment in, in Washington, which would change the Constitution uh, to say that uh, life begins at conception and um, and that implies that that uh, an abortion would be treated as first degree capital murder if you if you follow the logic of their amendment um, so data from it's the Guttmacher Institute. I have it on my website. There's a chart that shows that um, you know, worldwide studies and the results are stable over the years. Uh, regions of the world where there are very strict abortion laws, you know, for example, all illegal countries like El Salvador, um, or all abortion is illegal, the abortion rate, when you add illegal abortions and legal abortions together, that number is slightly higher in the strict countries, slightly lower in, where there are liberal abortion laws, such as the United States, Western Europe. So when you make abortions legal, you know, uh, up to a certain point and uh, with, with conditions, the Roe versus Wade decision. When you do something like that uh, and make birth control information and birth control devices or, or you know, um, drugs available widely at low cost, the abortion rate ends up declining so objectively, although Andy Barr says he's right to life and anti-abortion all the time, objectively he is proposing policies like the Human Life Amendment that would uh, it would not reduce the abortion rate at all. It might increase it, and it would dramatically increase the number of women who die in unsafe abortion procedures back alley abortion and take us back to the 1950s. And so, you know, the entire right to life movement is, um, is basically a, a Republican trick to get the votes of Catholics, uh, fundamentalist Christians, evangelical Christians forever. It's, it's, it's uh, since it started around 1973, when Roe versus Wade uh, went into effect, the entire right to life movement has been a political trick, dirty trick. On your website, Jeff, you have a very interesting exchange, a debate that you had with someone over the U.S. sending weapons to Nazis in Ukraine. And you have a very interesting passage here. You, you refer to Andy Barr, the the current Republican congressman from Kentucky, whom you're competing against as a an ignorant neocon. And you say that many Americans are victims of pro-war anti-Russian propaganda that we've been hit with since childhood. And you say, quote, I have never forgotten my roots as a Jewish person. 
That's why I am so enraged by Barr's votes over the last eight years to send money and weapons to the Nazis in Ukraine. You also point out that your grandmother was from Ukraine. So can you talk about, you know, why personally this is, is also something that really infuriates you to see the U.S. government send weapons to Ukraine's military and a neo-Nazi militia, the Azov Battalion, is officially part of Ukraine's National Guard? Well, I'm against that for many reasons. Um, uh, but the obvious one is that uh, I don't think Nazi movements anywhere in the world should be strengthened by giving them weapons. And uh, they're, they're like enemies of humanity. So today, these neo-Nazi militias are not, I call them Nazi militias, uh, the ones who are still not in captivity or and, and not killed yet, uh, um, their goal in life is to exterminate every ethnic Russian in the world, starting with southeastern Ukraine or you know Ukraine in general. They want to exterminate them all, like a certain dictator from the last century wanted to exterminate. Slavs, Russians, Jews, or Roma, um, uh, people with birth defects, all, you know, it's an extermination. It's a very hateful ideology. Today, their enemy is Russians. Uh, that, that just is sickening. It's un-American to, to be supporting those groups. So that's the main reason. Plus, you know, it, it's putting us in in a proxy war with the with another nuclear armed country that could get out of control very easily. So I'm I'm against that for many reasons. And Mr. Barr, Andy Barr, has never. Um, said anything about this. I mean, all he do, does is ridicule it. He's, he, he says, I'm, I'm spouting Russian propaganda. and I'm a puppet of Vladimir Putin, things like that. Very, you know, childish accusations, completely untrue. Because he can't acknowledge the fact that the federal government, both parties have been sending weapons to Nazis since 2014 in Ukraine. He can't allow that fact to become known. And my, one of my objectives during the next five months is to inform every voter in the sixth district, regardless of what party they are registered as, that uh, Andy Barr knew about it since 2014 or 2015, and he never objected. And now he wants uh, President Biden to do it even more. Jeff, in the 60s and 70s, of course, the Democratic Party was never thoroughly anti-war, but there were some anti-war Democrats. Mm -hmm. Of course, we saw what happened to JFK. We saw what happened to RFK. Both of them were assassinated. But in the past 20 years or so, especially since, you know, the war on terror and when Hillary Clinton became a prominent Democratic Party leader, 
The Democratic Party has become very pro-war. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there are so few anti-war Democrats today? Well, I think, um, well, at least two main reasons. One is um, we have a corrupt uh, election financing system. I mean, we have for a long time, it's gotten worse. And part of the blame for that is my very, very senior Senator Mitch McConnell, whose uh, main goal in life seems to have been to uh, remove all barriers to campaign contributions to politicians, basically turned it into a whorehouse where uh, you can buy a congressman or senator uh, by, by setting up a PAC or a super PAC and just uh, paying them more than anybody else. Uh, so Democrats are not immune to the pressure to raise money for election or re-election campaigns. Right? The second factor, I think, is the mainstream media corporations, which are fully controlled now by the capitalist class, uh, which includes billionaires, centi-millionaires, um, the corporate sector, the CIA, the State Department, you know, basically the government controls our mass media. The only place you can get the truth is on shows uh, like yours and all kinds of alternative media sources. So with that uh, mighty Wurlitzer, uh, running all the time, 24 seven, 365. Uh, I'm not surprised that some Democratic Congress people get confused and lose sight of the great danger that continuous warfare uh, poses to the survival of our country. Well, I want to thank you, Jeff. This has been a very enlightening interview. It's it's incredible. It's edifying to see an anti-war candidate running. So the last thing I'll say before we conclude here, Jeff, is for people in Kentucky who would like to vote for you on the midterms, which is November 8th, how what which people in Kentucky can vote for you? What is your district? Oh, the 6th district. Uh, so you can find out if you are in the 6th District, I mean, because they just changed it, uh, by um, contacting the Kentucky Board of Elections or your county clerk's office. So you can find out if you're in the 6th District. If you're in there, you can vote for me. <laughs> um, and anyone in Kentucky can contribute to my campaign through the website, young, the number four, ky.com. And you can, you know, support me on social media or just uh, spread the word. Everybody you know that there's this uh, interesting candidate who won the nomination. And, and Jeff, 
I, before we conclude, I should mention that your your district in in Kentucky was actually gerrymandered. Can you mm -hmm. explain that very quickly? Yeah. So uh, Franklin County, uh, which includes Frankfort, the state capital, Central Kentucky, um, uh, it now is part of the same district that extends down to the you know to the southwest and then straight west all the way to the Mississippi River. That's one district. And the Republicans in the state House and Senate did it that way to take Democrats out of Andy Barr's district, District 6, and put them into a uh, district that goes all the way <laughs> to the Mississippi that is mostly Republican, a safe district for them. Uh, so they did it just to help him and harm the Democratic nominee, whoever that was going to be, whether it was me or Chris Priest, uh, you know, typical dirty political trick. Uh, I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> I, I'm happy with the new district. In fact, you know, I, I did, I, I beat Chris in all of the counties, something like 16 counties in the sixth district, except Lexington Fayette County. Uh, where he won that uh, narrowly. So I'm happy to to run in rural counties. I think it's, you know, the people there uh, know what they're doing. I mean, people, voters everywhere generally know what they're doing unless they've been confused by the mainstream media. Well, I want to thank you. We were speaking with Jeff Young. He is a candidate for Congress in Kentucky's 6th Congressional District. He won the Democratic primary this May, and this November in the midterms, he will be running for U.S. Congress. Thanks so much for speaking with us, Jeff. Thank you, Ben.